This is Gary Gold, the agent that sold the Playboy Mansion for $105 million and the creator and your teacher to the real estate course, Compete and Beat the Best.com. You are listening to the Real Estate Podcast Show.com. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Paul Andrigo here, realestatepodcastshow.com. And today's episode uh, is definitely, and I'm totally stealing his words here. This to me is the Super Bowl of podcasts as far as I'm concerned, because um, I had the just for some reason, I had the crazy idea to reach out to this guy uh, with absolutely no uh, idea of what he might say or, or, or if he would block my email. Uh, but he was kind enough not to just reply, but without even saying a word, just literally booked the uh, the podcast session. So I want to welcome to the podcast show for the first time, um, Mr. Gary Gold. So thank you so much, Gary, for joining me. You're today. welcome. By the way, I said yes, but right after that, I did block your email. So <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to be able to reach me anymore. This, is awesome. this, this will self-destruct uh, after we're done recording. So this is a real estate podcast show, and we're doing this on audio, but we're looking at each other on Zoom. And behind this young man, he's got what looks like some version of a Stratocaster. Then he's uh, got a Les Paul. Yeah. Is that a Stratocaster? Uh, and that's a copy. A that's a Samick. That's my that's my okay. cheap Strat copy that I got when I was 13. Uh, and I'm never selling it. Shape. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's got a flying V, like Gene Simmons guitar over there. Yeah. And then he's got something I I have not seen before. Oh. I think that's for oh, I, that's for playing. I think that isn't even the guitar. I think that's just playing for uh, playing a uh, rock star. What's that game where you pretend no, to play guitar? No, actually, uh, and and this is the first time I've ever actually. Is that a six this. string? Nobody nobody talks about my guitars usually, and I don't usually do the video. But this is actually um a ukulele a hofner uh mini guitar it's a travel guitar so gotcha. it's actually you can like and completely play it and, and it's the closest thing i could find um to the um to the back to the future guitar it's the closest thing i could find to that uh that when i was looking and anyways i saw it uh, and it's a canadian made guitar so i kind of just uh, uh, those Canadians really—they are like in the forefront of guitars, making uh, guitars. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's uh, it's it's. it's and I was being sarcastic. But are you? Hoffner. Oh, yeah, but yeah, I Hoffner. Know. I don't know okay. that much. Yeah, but no, you there, know there, what? There's other thing. names. Yeah. For a couple hundred bucks, you can add another one to your uh, your wall, which could be cool. You know, who Samantha Fish is. I do not. She's like the most badass guitar player. That she looks like. She looks like a Hollywood starlet from the twenties. Okay, like Jane Mansfield. Who does she play with? And or, she or... and she play and she and she has her own band and oh, she her own plays band. Okay. like Eric Gales or Stevie Ray Vaughan. She's ridiculous, but her signature guitar. She plays a lot of things. Yeah, she plays like a three hundred dollar cigar box guitar, and oh, she plays slide awesome. on it. Yeah, and yeah. she just is. She is such a like what is going on and she plays with everybody she's big in the blue scene so that's amazing um, that's amazing i i'm gonna look that i'm gonna definitely look her up samantha yeah fish fish okay i just discovered her recently and i was like what is going on here and then almost just in the little corner and it looks like you have a guitar that maybe palm or a bass guitar 
Paul McCartney would have played in the '60s. I don't know what it is. I could be wrong. Oh no, that's a that's an in that corner. That's an acoustic, yeah. Oh, that's just an acoustic. That's, that's just the acoustic that. for you know when the when when the when when the teenagers want me to bust out some old tunes. <laughs> Okay. Those way all those old tunes from the '90s, but again, Gary, this is amazing. The I, I, I again, I, I've got obviously things I want to ask you about, and, and of course, I'm uh, so curious about, of course, you know, your career and, and and some of the amazing things you've done. And I know you've talked about some of them, but I'm hoping that I can do, which is what I've tried to do with this thing, uh, is to try to have a little bit of a, a unique spin on uh, maybe things that you've talked about, but maybe sort of go into a different direction. And certainly, we started that. Uh, with the with the music discussion um but of course again i know how valuable your time is and, I, and i'm really pumped up about you know obviously getting a chance to uh virtual whatever this is called i still don't know there's a name for it virtual meet uh digital i think meet. we should call it, it's it, it's it's two guys bullshitting that's what it is it is it absolutely <laughs> is uh for me this is the whole purpose of any good podcast it's two people at a pub uh, and this is my, my other passion besides guitars and music is rugby. Uh, and I'd say if I, if I have any social skills at all, and I'm not saying I do, uh, they were learned after the rugby game, after you basically try to pound somebody into the ground for two hours and then make sure you, you know, you're, that's the person you buy the first beer for. That's the rule. Um, so in real estate, we kind of do that to each other. Um, it is. You know, it's a full contact sport. Very much. Full, very much. But, same but injuries. Same token. Yeah, but by the same token, people uh, we have to we cooperate with each other in most areas. There's Correct. some that are a little different, but we have to cooperate with each other. If you are too much of a dick, um, it can bite you in the ass. Where someone is rude or condescending or isn't just cooperative, and then all of a sudden they have an offer on one of your hot listings, it's probably not going to work out very well for them. All yeah. things being equal. I mean, I think it would be crazy. I, I mean, to have your personal feelings get involved in something representing your client. Yeah. But it certainly is a note when someone is not cool and they might not be good to work with and they might be difficult. That's definitely not a, a plus when you get to pick who you're going to go with and what buyer you're going to go with and what agent. Because, you know, interesting, when the market's hot, when there's multiple offers, one of the things I and you're you're handicapping who's going to be, what deal is going to close, what deal is going to close, and one of that part of that handicap pro process is who do they who represents them, because mm -hmm. that person representing some I mean some people are just amazing at keeping a deal together. I think one of our big jobs in real estate, and I tell this when I go and listen appointments i had this one guy and i said you know what you're hiring you're hiring me to manage you you're hiring me to make sure that you do what you set out to do today four months from now when you're in the middle of it that's what my job is and i guess you're right so so instead uh, of property management it's people management so to speak yeah and yeah. uh it's very expensive I, I think it could be very costly to have grudges in real estate I have one friend of me, but we actually are like a joke about it. I mean, there's one guy I just think yeah. is just a piece of work. Yeah. But uh, we we actually last year spoke. At, we did two one-hour sessions in front of a group, and uh, 
And we literally I don't think much of him, but just because I don't like him, and he's, and it's just because I have issues with him, doesn't mean he's not a good agent. Yes, absolutely. There's absolutely. just no doubt about it. So you you totally yeah. get the rugby analogy. Not everyone does, and whether you've played or not, what I'm talking about is being passionate, being competitive, and all that stuff that you kind of have to do to you know feed your family. Um, but at the same time, you've got to have that. That's the collaboration thing, by the way. Um, it's not huge. I mean, I, I wish it was bigger, but it, it's, it wasn't huge in real estate. But when I started this thing in 2018 and I started just asking everybody that was interesting that I knew um, in real estate and music and small, small businesses, I said, uh, I, I'd love to share your story. Do you want to come on? It's almost like like you did like just snap of the fingers, absolutely would love to come on and uh, share the story. So the collaborating thing yeah. is, is so yeah. great. Yeah. I get my the rugby analogy, but don't mess with my ears. Then that's a then it's a different story. Don't fuck with my ears. Your ears? I don't want to get those cauliflower I don't want to get those cauliflower ears that rugby players. <laughs> oh, that's get. what you mean. Yeah, okay. I got I got you. Yeah. That's, uh, that's definitely uh yeah, that's one of the side effects, unfortunately. The uh, first time I saw rugby, I was in Fiji and I watched the game. It's bizarre. I mean, a scrum, if you've never seen it, you have no frame of reference. Yeah. It's bizarre. And then I got it. I really got into it. We were watching the, it was the playoffs and the rugby's big in Fiji and, um, and Australia. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. New yeah. Outside, outside of, um, I, I think outside of the U S obviously it's, it's pretty big in Canada, but still not huge, but outside, like you said, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, um ireland scotland like it's it's second language stuff like it's you know you you yeah. you, you, you sort of you're born and you play one of those things uh, soccer of course is still the biggest in the world but uh you know the, yeah. the, the joke is eventually you pick the ball up and then you want to start hitting people that's uh, uh some evolution joke that comes along with the rugby um so again gary this is again such a great honor for me to have you on here and again i want to try to make it so that again i know you've been on different podcasts and you've got your own yes, I have. Uh, and i want to make sure people know about that and obviously i want people going to uh, you know to listen to you because i know i have and um i've learned a lot from there so i want to know a little bit about uh what sort of um i guess was the the earliest sign for you, because I know that you were in, I believe, a different career, like many of us were before. Yeah. yeah. So what was yeah, the earliest was, uh, sign uh, for you that uh, real estate or or being in real estate uh, was uh, something that you were going to pursue? Because obviously, uh, oh, yeah. you, know, you might remember. My first career was I was, I was a professional boxer uh, at a supermarket. I was boxed groceries. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> uh, Love, I was it. Love, love the lead in. Yeah. That was my, my first. I worked at Gelson's Market in Sino and I boxed groceries. And so I was a kid. It was my first job. I didn't, yeah. I haven't, I don't, I did not have a career before real estate. No. I was in high school and I made the grave mistake. I've said this a thousand times. So it's not new. I, I just tried to paint my car, which Jews should not try to paint their car. Just not, it's not in our blood. Uh, and I destroyed the car. I had to take it to Earl Shive, get it painted for twenty nine ninety five, sell it for twelve dollars, and uh, I had no car. And my brother said, "My brother was in real estate, and he was making uh, a lot of money, and yeah. uh, and he was young. No one was young in real estate back then. 
-hmm. And he said, come work for me and I'll buy you a car. So that was my entree to real estate. Zero interest whatsoever to get in real estate. And I actually have struggled with wanting to be in real estate (laughs) for a good part of my career. I've had this love-hate relationship with it. So um, you weren't you weren't was, looking. So speaking on a relationship type of situation, you weren't looking for her. She wasn't looking for you, but you sort of found her, so to speak. When I got in real estate, it was not it was not a cool business. Yeah, it was not like ever. No one grew up wanted to be a you know, real estate agent. In, yeah, it or, just didn't exist. Sales. Yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, okay. well, real estate. Real estate was for. Like the the cliche was uh, housewives that were you know I guess their kids are grown and or uh, I, you know I'm sure it went beyond that but uh, all you needed to get in real estate was a license, a business card, and no better options. Okay. Uh, but I got it at 17. I was just an assistant. We got my license shortly thereafter, and that's how I got into it. But I was really good at the at first i just did marketing i did marketing for my brother and i had no background whatsoever i mean i came out of high school not college i had no marketing background and i really wanted to be like a comedian or a screenwriter so basically my version of of being in marketing was just being a smart ass <laughs> so all our postcards our billboards our all this stuff we went big because it was making some good money and it was kind of outrageous and it was funny. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. So at the time people were so, it was so conservative and it was so nothing. It wasn't even in pictures in the MLS. And then, then we come along and we're doing these outrageous things. And my brother stood out like a sore thumb. He's this 21 year old, good looking kid who ran around in tennis shorts. He was very eccentric. And everyone else was like three times his age and just kind of just, you know, vanilla. Hmm. And uh, our business blew up. And it was kind of like, there. I'm sure other people had done it at some point, maybe, or other people were doing it. It was the first like person who like branded themselves yeah. in real estate, like some character. Like there's a lot of people that, just have a persona in mm-hmm. real estate and have a brand and do all kinds of things. And I may have started it. I'm not sure, but <laughs> I was definitely in the, a pioneer in that, not really even knowing that we were doing that. I was just trying to be a smart ass. Okay. So you all, you almost basically, uh, you're, you're basically saying that you may have started it uh, based on a dare or just, again, as you said, as a, as, as a sort of a joke, um, and it wasn't uh, even it, was, it wasn't even a joke. Not he a said, joke. Do but marketing. Yeah, marketing. And I thought yeah. The, the purpose of I knew the purpose of marketing was to attract people. Yeah. And I the only way I knew to attract people was to do something funny. And my humor leans towards sarcasm, even at seventeen. So we did all these sarcastic, clever, fun things. Nothing, nothing hurtful or anything like that. But they were just I wanted to be clever. And I wanted to be uh, funny, and it worked unbelievably. And we blew up, and that's my, that was my forte into real estate. It was being the marketing person who created my brother's brand, who 
did something no one had ever done at the time. And it wasn't some great, the only, my only objective was to, okay, I'm, I, I don't want to be in real estate, but I do want to be funny. Mm -hmm. So let's be funny. And I do like getting attention. So let's get, let's, let's, let's get attention to this brand and do it funny. And people going, that's clever. For some reason in my mind, I thought if people thought we were clever, they think we were smart and we would stand out and they would work with us. And it was true. Uh, obviously again whatever uh, and this is this is not even a quote for me but i've brought this up way too often in in uh, in my podcast but I, i'm i'm hoping that you'll get the reference or the quote uh is by joe walsh uh of the eagles and um in the documentary of the eagles one of the things he says is as you look at your life happening it looks like a bunch of random events all bumping into each other that make no sense but when you look back at it it looks like a finely crafted novel um, 100%, 100%. There you go. So I, I, I hear you guys, um, and this is just just by just the luck of the draw and, and, and just, again, someone watching over me, whatever it is, whenever I get to sit down with you guys who are, in my opinion, uh, you know, some of the best storytellers in our business, um, I hear these random sort of, you know, events that sort of got people to where they are. Uh, and of course, for you, that was the beginning of your journey. So obviously, it started that way. Um, and uh, clearly, it was enough. There was enough good stuff happening where you decided to, okay, um, take it up to the next level. And, and, and clearly, you've took it, you've taken it beyond that. Um, but what was your sort of, uh, once you started to sort of get into it for yourself and, and really start, you know, start picking up speed, so to speak, um, I guess, was there a point that you thought, okay, this is for me, this is the thing I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do now, so to speak. Yes. Yeah. Still no, was successful. I always thought I wanted to do something else. I never wanted to be in this business. I, but as smart as I am in some things, I just didn't have the foresight or the ability at that time to like, how do I do something else? Like I really would have wanted to be, a screenwriter or a stand-up. I have, I had, or a, a lyricist. Hmm. Like, and, I, and by the way, if, you see, if people want to be lyricists, you just can't play that fucking instrument. That's it. I mean, if I could write a song and play the guitar better, well, I would have wanted to be a I was going to bring his name up before. And again, this is going to be a music podcast, whether we like it or not at this stage. Uh, but Rick Rubin, uh, that's one of the things he says in almost every podcast. Cause I've listened to his podcast like crazy. Um, you know, you can't play anything, can't play a thing, but knows what he, you know, knows what he can, uh, knows what he yeah. likes enough to be able to be very, very convincing, uh, you know, yes. to the, to the musician that this is how it should sound. Um, so he's the one off. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I, that was shocking that he doesn't know anything about the board. He doesn't know how to play music. He doesn't know anything, but he probably knows more than he's leading up to. But I would he, guess it's, it's, it, of course, it's a great sound clip. Of course, I'm, 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 right. I'm guessing there's gotta be something in there that, uh, clicked at some point. Maybe he knows three chords. I don't know, but you don't really need, you don't, you don't even need to know more than three chords for the most yeah. part, uh, if you play them right. But, uh, yeah. so, uh, Again, I had I had really again no interest, and then but I knew at thirty, yeah, I had I owned a company. I mean, I got my, my brother went into some other business, and then I bought a company. I had a successful real estate company in my early twenties. Okay, um, 
and I was doing it, but I still didn't think that was the thing I would be doing. I was just doing it. Um, I also had a uh, very successful drug addiction going on. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and at 26, that came to a fierce crashing in and went into rehab, got sober, pulled myself back together, became more successful than ever. And when I turned 30, I said, if I'm going to do this, I want to, I want to go on the big leagues. I, if I'm going to do this, if this is going to be my business, I want to go to the highest level. And Jeff Hyland had been literally for seven years. I did one deal with him earlier and we, we'd always refer business back and forth. He was in Beverly Hills. I was in the San Fernando Valley and he kept on saying, you got to come to Beverly Hills and work. And at 30, I just gave up my business in the Valley and the company I had. And I went to go work for him. And that's when I said, okay, I'm going. Now I've had, even after that, I've had several times where I just wanted to get out mm -hmm. several times and always trying other things and um, related to real estate or not. So I love the business now. There's no question about it. And I've been on a uh, love affair with it for about 14 years. Okay. It's, uh, it's really interesting. I did not know that part about uh, the part about your 20s and the fact that you mentioned, again, you're brave enough to mention it here uh, about dealing with addiction. And this is something that... By the way, yeah. yeah. If, I was 30, if, I was 30, uh, if I was 37 days sober, I wouldn't be talking about it. But 37 <laughs> years sober, <laughs> I don't think yeah. I was going to yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're work with Gary. He's got a drug problem. I, I think I'm good. So no, no, no. And, and no, all I'm saying about the, the fact that you faced it again, way back when you did. Um, and of course went on from there is, uh, is it something that I actually learned? I was, I was in the, uh, the fitness and, and health business for about a decade before real estate. Uh, and the thing that I dealt with for the most part is people coming in, facing, um, their addictions everywhere, everything from, um, food to smoking, to stress, uh, all those things. And this is where for the weirdest, uh, this is the weirdest thing. Uh, this is where I met the majority of the top performing realtors uh, and lawyers and business people in the city at that time when I was in my late teens, early 20s. They were all 40s and 50s and, and literally, um, what do you call it? Um, mandated by their doctors to show up. They didn't want to be there. They wanted to be out doing business. They literally were on sort of that last call at the bar type thing like they you yeah. got to do something else so i again well, I'm, I, I'm giving you kudos for what I, you did. I quit all those i lost 100 pounds in the last 25 years i found 25 of it but <laughs> lost 100 pounds after i got sober and i quit smoking so i am a quitter and but the one thing is i have a ridiculously addictive personality and I, I remember my ex asked me if I ever was uh, diagnosed with, just, have you ever been diagnosed with, uh, with Asperger's? And I said, no, have you ever been diagnosed with Tourette's? Asked for that. <laughs> but then I was thinking about it. Like oh, she goes, really? She goes, yeah. if you were a kid today, would you be, you know, would you be diagnosed with being on the spectrum? I go on the spectrum. Mm. I am the spectrum. Mm. Uh, obviously I'm highly functioning, but I'm very obsessive and I'm very distracted. 
So I'm like, but it looks like I'm normal because I'm just, I obsessed about a bunch of different things bouncing all over the place. But yeah. I've had to definitely, and I don't know to what degree I didn't diagnose myself, but I really have to have systems in place and I really need to have a plan or I can get too obsessed about something and too obsessed about a, a distractible bunch of things. Mm -hmm. But to your earlier point, that it this this series of unrelated things all of a sudden when you look back looks like this just poetic story everything that i've done in the past i remember i started teaching about 15 years ago speaking at conferences yeah and people would say why do you do that because i spent a lot of time and there didn't seem to be some real outcome and i remember saying i have an agenda I just don't know what it is. <laughs> and um, I just started taking that teaching and speaking, and I created a course, which I just finished the first session yesterday. Amazing. And, Amazing. And it's called Compete and Beat the Best, where I teach agents how to beat people like me. And, um, but what was so poetic is that the reason I'm such a good teacher and I'm only say that because it just has been reinforced to me so many times. Cause I don't, if anyone said, what would you like to do? Teaching is not even on the list. Okay. I don't even think that that would be my nature, but the combination of being in real estate over 40 years, being sober, um, those two those being so and then being real estate 40 years being sober and also having a failed comedy career all three of those make for this great speaker mm -hmm. and this great communicator i mean stand up you take information and you boil it down to as few words as possible yeah and you make it so it's very you know how to get people's attention aa is for people who, which i don't think there's too many people that are pretty familiar with it and you know to one degree or another it's especially in la it's just a hotbed for public speakers people go there and you learn how to speak to other people with similar interests okay. similar people like-minded people yeah so when i teach i do approach it like i'm not i'm it's instead of one alcoholic talking to another and that is the foundation of the uh, aa and 12-step programs it's one person with an affliction talking to another it's one agent talking to another there's a lot of teachers out there that they are great teachers i mean phenomenal uh but not that many that are actually active in the business and that's like what i do i'm just one agent talking to another and they know what i'm talking about i know what they're talking about i, I it gets very relevant so it's been a lot of fun teaching this uh course and I don't, when I'm doing it, I definitely go, oh, yeah. Now now I understand why I went through all those things. Well, and, and obviously I've sort of uh, unofficially, I've taken your, um, uh, the, the master class that you offered, and I'd call it that because when I was listening to, I was listening to it again this morning just to sort of remind myself of some things. Uh, the, um, the podcast that you did with Tom Ferry, the, uh, the sort of the- No, a good one. Yeah. It, that that to me should be framed, and if you can frame a podcast, that would be the one that you should frame uh, in real estate. But I mean, it was just so. I well agree. Done. Yeah. So well, you, Tom's really good, and um, 
that actually, after I did that, that was one of the sparks I went. Because Tom, who is just such a great speaker, such a great teacher, I've known him for a long time. He's sitting there like, he was so blown away how prepared I was hmm. and how specific I was. And yeah. it was just such a great combination. He just was nodding his head the whole time. And it got a ton, so many people come up to me and talk to me about that court that, about that podcast yeah and that probably is the foundation of like okay why don't i do this about every facet of what matters in real estate and put that into a course and that's brilliant. what i did brilliant that's and again obviously i'm going to make sure everybody at the end of this thing knows how to reach you and how, how to get into that um, but of course, I want to make sure that we cover all the, you know, all the bases of the of the gold experience, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so obviously, you got uh, to the point where you were doing it on your own. And then you joined, as you mentioned, in your 30s, you uh, you went to work with Highland. Um, so yeah. and at that point, you decided that you were going to go for. Uh, and again, I, I refer to this again, probably I should be, you know, sending you residual checks, uh, the, the Super Bowl, uh, the Super Bowl um, reference that you made to certain sales well, of Super Bowl. Um, yeah, I didn't know at the time I didn't have that reference. I just wanted to be successful. Yeah. I, and in, in, in the San Fernando Valley, I was a big deal and I was really successful. I went to Beverly Hills and I didn't know one canyon from the next. <laughs> okay. And. I remember, and I got a desk. I would, you know, he was really happy to see me. He told me I'd make a million dollars, but he didn't give me a private office. And um, I remember being at dinner. And this is how it all started. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's so on top of Super Bowl rings, we all, I think every agent has an opportunity. They get these opportunities. And if they, if they recognize it, they jump on it and then they leverage it it can change the trajectory of their career. I've had several, but this was, a, this was one of them. I go to a restaurant at Palm, Palm restaurant, and I run into a client from the Valley who is in the music business. And, and he was in promotion, now he's management. And he's managing an artist and he introduces me to her and says, would you help us find a lease? She needs something for a couple grand a month. Not a big money maker, not even something I really do. But I had nothing else going. And I said, yes, absolutely. The guy's a manager, he's in the business, he's an old client. I need to get some momentum going. And this is what's been offered to me. So I pursued this woman as if she wanted to buy something for $10 million. Mm -hmm. And because it, it, took, it took us probably a month or two to get her even out. But by the time she was going to get out, um, she was having some success and she wanted to um, buy a house. And I sold her a house for 800 grand. And it was a listing I had that was like from the, that I had, that was a, someone I knew from the Valley. Mm -hmm. And I convinced her, why don't we, and it was a Valley house. They said, why don't you let me list this? I'll bring buyers from the West side. And lo and behold, someone who was from the West Side, I showed it to her. And she, her name was Connie Selica. She was oh, a famous yeah. actress. Yeah, yeah, I know the name. She was yeah. like the movie of the week queen. She was married to John Tesh, movie of the week queen. She wasn't married to John at the time. And uh, so I sold, I double popped it. I sold Connie, 
And oh, by the way, the person who wanted the two thousand dollar one police was Paula Abdul. Oh no! Way. And at that okay. point, she had she had a hit song on the radio. She buys Connie's house. Connie now wants to buy something for like three million dollars, and then Paula, in like overnight, became one of the biggest stars in the world. And we became friendly, um, and. So literally within like a month or two of moving into this house and after she remodeled it, she wanted something bigger. <laughs> and she, she said she, she was, you know, had a lot going on, wanted to be in a gated community. So I was taking both Connie and Paula <clears throat> out to see houses. And I had the bright idea of there wasn't a lot of inventory. The market was pretty hot, but there was, <clears throat> excuse me, there was a bunch of new construction going on all over Beverly Hills and Bel Air and the Hills. Mm -hmm. And they were just these developers that would build one or two or three houses, all individual guys. Yeah. And I just started driving up and down the streets in the communities and walking on construction sites and introducing myself and saying, would you be open to showing your home now under construction? I've got these, I have a couple, you know, A plus clients and with, and I named, told them who they were and they all said yes. So I am parading around Connie and Paula, mm -hmm. like one after another to literally 20 different houses, 25 different houses. Yes. And I ended up selling Connie. I didn't get a deal with, she bought like a fixer somehow after me and i wasn't involved mm -hmm. so i missed that one but paul i did sell one too but even more valuable than that i ended up with about over the next couple of years like 25 brand new listings of new construction homes and i it just put me on the map i went wow. from zero to hero based on that and it was saying yes to a two thousand dollar a month lease that in the back of my head, I thought there, I didn't have anything better to do, mm -hmm. and it seemed and it seemed like there could be some opportunity there. More with the managers at the time than yeah. her. Yeah, it that it, it really ended up being her. But yeah, at the time, her was Paula. I didn't know who she was. She mm -hmm. wasn't anyone of note. I see. I think she was the Laker girl. So I think if you were, I I think she had a little notoriety because she was the head of the Laker girls. She's a great dancer and she was a, chore mm -hmm. a, a choreographer. And so she had that, but still not at the time, you know, we didn't have social media like we did today. Yeah. She might've been well known in some certain circles. Yeah. Well, obviously, yeah, that, uh, that definitely sounds like you took, uh, and this is the thing about, uh, I've always, I've had these conversations with, um, you know, some of the big shots, I, I'd call them in, in Toronto over the years. And at one point, a few years ago, one of them said to me, um, what are you still doing? Why are you still dealing with rentals? And this was probably, you know, five or 10 years into the business. Uh, why are you still dealing with rentals? I go, I don't, I don't really see them as rentals. I see them as relationship building exercises 
So no, no, there's not much money there, but actually in a, in a, in again, in a very appreciative way, there was enough money there to pay for diapers and to, uh, you know, cover some bills. It wasn't a lot because in, in Toronto, anyways, we get a half a month from a rental. So if I was doing that 2000 a month rental, I would have got a thousand. So at a certain stage in life, that's, you know, that's, that's a still pretty good amount of money and it paid a few bills, um, but it builds relationships. And that's something that you're, you're definitely, yeah, and I don't know if that's part of. Uh, uh, yeah. Know. I, I just brought something up for 65 K a month. I just have something. I have, I, I have like three things leased right now. Uh, I look at it as a couple things. It's like going, it's like, it's like going to the batting cage. Right. Rentals, the clip and the tone and the way you handle rentals is way more aggressive <clears throat> than you might handle a sale. Yeah. And it gets you really into like, bam, 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 bam. This is what you do. You don't screw around as much. So it's really good for just keeping the uh, keeping it lubricated. It's really good for relationships. Those people often do want to, at some point sell their home um in my case some of these things do pay really well you know i have one home yeah. i've been <clears throat> leasing for 30 to 40 grand a month for now six years okay and it doesn't suck i mean it's uh, actually kind of a fun commission to get I can imagine. Um, I can imagine. It, uh, the really? other the other thing it provides is exposure you have a property on the market with photography and it's just it's exposure and so to all those things, I do it. It is. Some people don't like it and think it's a waste. And uh, okay. and it might be for some people. Uh, I think it's part of the uh, just being of service. Um, I think it works. Well, obviously, yeah, it, it, it sort of is that sort of that random series of events that got you from where you were from the, you know, the, the, the bad car paint job to to starting in real estate to where you are now. Uh, and of course, in between, you had this little tiny sale uh, that you talk about sometimes, but uh, involving the Playboy Mansion, this, you know, sort of small sale on your... Oh, on I can work. Yeah. It's not my biggest. It's not my biggest, but it <laughs> it, is. It, it, I'm not saying in your case, I'm not I'm not even questioning that. But the fact is, uh, it's, it's of course, sort of a big it's, deal. Um, it is. Well, at the time, more than a big it deal. still yeah. was. Uh, yeah, because it was the first house to sell in LA for over a hundred million. I'm, I'm like the Roger Crazy. Bannister of luxury real estate. I that's, broke that four minute mile of real estate. That's that's, and, going, that's um, going in the podcast quotes. Roger Bannister of real mm, estate. Yeah, love it. And that's when I came up with the term Super Bowl ring. Yeah, you know it's and it's true. It's just you know at that point you, that is something if you leverage yeah can change the trajectory of your career i did leverage it there was someone who sold a home for a couple years back a few of them someone who sold something for 70 which at the time was the most expensive home ever in beverly hills mm -hmm. another person that sold a home for close to 90 years before that was the biggest sale in la mm -hmm. up to that point I don't remember either of their names. Yeah. They did not leverage it. So no. yes, I did that. But interestingly enough, as I said, I've had a, a love affair and my trajectory has not been pretty. It just hasn't been this straight shot up. Um, in 2009, I found myself just 
couldn't get a listing if my life depended on it. I took a detour and got into developments because that seemed really sexier. And I acquired all oh, Vegas and Fiji everywhere these massive developments that probably added up to maybe a half a billion dollars, a billion dollars. There was a lot of listings, yeah, all, all on the come. I had a couple that actually, there's some we sold that had 105 units that we did and another one for 30 that we did, another one that 16 we did. But for a long period of time, most of it never even got off the ground. Hmm. Or it just failed and I was no longer involved in and, you know, it was in mothballs for a while. In 2009, to remind people listening, was probably not the most um, – you may, you may not have felt the most amount of wind in your sails just from what was going on in the States at the time. Am I, am I correct or not? Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember if it was eight or nine. I think it was eight. It's close I, enough uh, to, to, to when, you know, when the whole thing happened. I, yeah. Yeah. I think it was September. I called a client that we were going to buy this property downtown and build a St. Regis hotel and residences. Yeah. Amongst other things we were doing together. He also owned, a property in Vegas that's one of the big famous hotels today and it was a condo hotel and I was going to be selling the balance of those <laughs> excuse me bless you um thank you um so I called him to talk about you know putting the offer in on this property downtown we're also in you know working on having the it was the cosmopolitan in vegas was going to be selling half of it like 1500 units they were condo hotels and um it just all blew up it just uh, but i remember i called him and he goes you didn't hear i go hear about what <laughs> he goes there's no more money it's over yeah these things are done he was so black and white and clear about yeah. uh, something and i had to you know with my tail between my legs had to go back into residential real estate, which I still was a little bit in, but not enough to where I remember being at the airport and people, someone came up to me and goes, are you still in real estate? Oh God. Which is like the kiss of death. That's so the, I had that's to the reinvent thing, yeah. myself. I, Am I? I don't I know. Really, Am I? Yeah. yeah. At that point I, I had to re yeah. So in 2009, I had to reinvent myself one more time. Mm -hmm. And I was... I spent a lot of years in development, got very few dollars out of it, and was financially in not a good place. Mm -hmm. And um, literally wanted to quit. I just again had no better ideas. Mm -hmm. And and I remember going on a listing appointment, and the people go went uh, for three million bucks. And I had before I was having more expensive listings, no problem. And I was great closer at a listing appointment. They go, show me what you sold in the last year. And I had nothing to show them. And that's when I started to go, okay, how can I compete with this other guy who had this new cool business? He was on a roll. How am I going to compete with him? Mm -hmm. I started to figure a few things out and I started to put this plan together and position myself and brand myself and come up with some unique thing about me. Mm -hmm. And at the time, it was, and this was very hard to convince people of until it wasn't. Yeah. I owned from the developments, I ended up, and it's a long story, but I owned the zip codes in Beverly Hills and the 
Beverly Hills and and the Sunset Strip, a hundred percent of all the zip codes on Zillow. Oh well. At the okay. time, no one in our area would register their name for Zillow, mm-hmm. which meant at the time you have a listing and your name's not on it, and my name is on the corner on it. Yeah. And also at the time, people were looking at houses primarily on their computer. Mm-hmm. So they'd be searching for a home in on the left side, three quarters of the page. On the right, there's my picture. Every time they're looking at houses in the Hollywood Hills or in Beverly Hills. So if someone's looking for a week or two weeks or six months and they're ready to call somebody and look for a number and they see the person they've been seeing for a year, mm-hmm. a million times, I started getting leads on Zillow like crazy. And wow. at this time, it was equivalent. In my area, a bus bench is not a good not a good look. It's no. just not elevated enough for people around here. And it was, Zillow was considered the cheesiest thing in the world. Okay. I jumped right. on it and I only jumped on it because I bought advertising on Zillow. Yeah. When I had a development and I just, and all of a sudden I started getting some calls. Yeah. So that's how I just reinvented myself through Zillow. Yeah. And I took that relationship with Zillow to the highest level. I started doing things on Zillow that the people running it, Spencer Raskoff and Greg Short started reaching out to me going, wow, that's really clever. Yeah. Yeah. It was it wasn't what it is today. It was having some success, but it was at the early stages. I became their poster child for luxury real estate because they that was a market they really weren't breaking into. So you so you you cranked the real estate improv level up twenty notches. Obviously, you yeah. you were doing things that they couldn't imagine, which is what. A lot of companies, no offense to Zillow or anybody else that's really great at what they do, producing things, but they they might not be thinking on your level just because right. you're well, they're doing something right. Different but... They're doing something right, and you're doing obviously, you know, just you're you're adding steroids to the mix, sort of thing. Right. What happened is on. So when you when you bought, by the way, what you when I first got on Zillow, what you paid for was banner advertising on the top, yeah, or something on the side. The like when you buy a zip code and you get your name on the side today, which is their main product, yeah, that was that came if you bought the banner advertising, it was free, yeah, but that's what was converting. Um, that changed shortly thereafter. But when you bought that, when you were on the side as a bonus, you also got another uh box towards the bottom that had your face on it and you pushed that. You know, you push your yeah, that link and it would go to your profile on Zillow. Yeah. So I realized that profile on Zillow is just a link. And I switched that link for a bio of me on a video describing who I am and what I do. And when they caught wind of that, they went, that is clever. I started doing classes for them. I did webinars for them. Um, when they would go on the road with Inman Reboot or something like that, I was their poster child. They used me as an example. And that relationship ended up really leading to a lot of good things. 
absolutely it's it sounds like yeah it sounds like you definitely did again something else mm-hmm. that you you sort of as has been a theme through the podcast is you've leveraged uh, you know, your positions wherever you were. So that was unrelated. As you said, you were, you weren't, you weren't necessarily um, looking for that uh, situation when you started with Zillow, but you took it uh, and you obviously got it to, you know, bring you up from, as you mentioned, 2009 yeah. and, and, and you couldn't give away the listing or, or, yeah. or as, yeah. as, as, as we joke, you, you wouldn't, you know, you, you take a dog dog house, uh, yeah. as a listing that's, that's the worst joke there is that uh, and it's true because when you're starting out you feel that way um but yeah. that's that's where you were and you obviously brought it what, uh, way up from there to uh you know well when i left developments because it was dead i kept the zip codes yeah. i said and then they started selling the zip codes i, go, I gotta own these yeah. and then i started and it, it took a second to really come through and it was really hard to convince sellers in 2009 and 2008 that the internet is where you're going to get business that three million dollar listing i couldn't convince them mm-hmm. but i did what i did as a result of having this relationship with zillow they gave me this million they asked me if i would list this million six home owned by ashton kutcher and donate my commission and to charity and i said yes and um, what happened is I did that and we sold the house. And in addition to that, we, it, we used selling his house as a vehicle to raise money for charity. It was mm-hmm. for child trafficking, which I didn't even know existed at the time. Yeah. And I remember when Ashton told me about it, about this cause he had, I went, I just didn't even believe that was real. And uh, obviously it's very, very real. So donated my commission to that. We also turned his house into like a design house where different designers would decorate a room. And then we sold tickets to that house via the guilt group. And at that event, which I was at, obviously, there was an architect named William Hefner who I met and his wife had done one of the rooms. We struck up a conversation. I had someone I thought would work really well with them. And I referred him to a big job at the time. It was a big job for him. He's one of the biggest architects in the city. It wasn't any big deal uh, today, but mm-hmm. back then it was like a million bucks. And uh, I also said to him, I said, if you ever have a client that has a question about real estate, am I building too big of a house? Is it not big enough? Is it the right type of house? What do you think of this area? Happy to answer it for him. Mm-hmm. And like a year and a half later, he called me. He said, I have a client that thinks he overbuilt. Can you go mm-hmm. talk to him? And I did. That guy turned into a client. I turned, mm-hmm. ended up selling that house. I ended up selling him another house and then another house. And he also ended up being the managing partner of uh, a private equity company that owned Playboy. And I had a shot. I just had a shot Yeah. years later, but I didn't have the credentials to list it, but um, I went through a process, but all these things from like taking that at the beginning, having no business when I got back into business. Mm -hmm. And this also, when I had met this guy who I was selling homes for, and he wasn't deciding, it was a board of directors. Yeah. And I just had a shot and I really wasn't the person with the cred to sell that kind of house. Yeah. Uh, 
I look for what can, and I have a a saying I love, so what you got? Yeah. Both times I said, okay, how I, I bullshitting doesn't work. People are too smart. Doesn't work, but you can sell somebody not that I I knew I wasn't going to sell the people early on that I was the most successful agent. I could sell them that I'm the most innovative agent. Yeah. But someone who's been in the business 30 years and I've got the most innovation and this is what it is. Mm-hmm. The internet marketing online and this is how I do it. No one else really has a clue about how to do it like I do. Yeah. And I got some traction on that and it led to, you know, one thing after another, after another. When it came to going to the highest level, competing literally against the three or four biggest agents in the country, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't convince them I was on their level or I had their success, I convinced them, I persuaded them I was the best agent for them. Mm-hmm. And I knew what my competitive advantages were. I hedged the bet and brought in someone else that I thought would add that competitive advantage of credibility amongst a number of other things. Yeah. And I was very strategic about it and I did close them and get that deal done. And now um, I am that guy. Yeah, yeah. And, and you live to tell the story, so to speak. Um, and I do remember, again, I was listening to the podcast for the, you know, I don't know how many 10th or 20th time that I've listened to it. Uh, and one of the lines that really always struck, strikes me is the one where you said um, that you own me while I'm working on this. I, I'm not sure if it was specifically to this listing, but yep. uh, it was, no, it like was. For, for the time that yeah, was... the time you got me. I'm yours. This is all I'm doing. Cause of course, if, if you are competing against the guy with 50 other, you know, $20 million listings, then uh, there's a chance that that guy might be too busy to, as you mentioned in the podcast to, 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 to be well, of service. Well, well, no one's going to be too busy to be of service, but, and that you own me can really work against you. I did it in a very specific way. Yeah. I said to him, I've been in this business 30 years. I know how to sell this house. And so does everyone else you've met with. I said, you've literally met with the most successful agents. Yeah. They all are as good as they get. I go, but none of those people this sale is going to change their life. It will change That's my life. That's the other, that, that was the part. Yeah. Yeah. And you own me. Now, what I did know when I made that decision to say that is I think there were some other people who were way more successful than, than me mm-hmm. that were a little arrogant when they had their conversation. Yeah. And I don't, and I think the arrogance compared to the sincerity, yeah, the sincerity went out there. Now, arrogance sometimes does win out. Different person, different situation. That other, I may never even had a shot. And maybe they love the guy with the major bravado and cockiness. And, you know, in this particular case, and I did think that was the case, that being sincere, I couldn't be, maybe if I, maybe, I don't think so. But, you know, maybe if I was the person that had the track record, the arrogance would have worked. But in this particular case, I went with sincerity. They appreciated. And what I had that no one else had is I knew they knew, liked, and trusted me. Mm-hmm. I knew they trusted me. So, And I knew that they knew I knew what I was doing because I've already had a track record with one of the people. 
And so the, on top of that, making this statement that you own me and it'll change my life, which yeah. most people won't say. Yeah. They don't want to be too cool for school. You add all those things. I trust this guy. He's saying this. That's true. Yeah. I, this, he, he's the person we should put our, put the bet on. And no, the humility definitely comes through in that statement. As you mentioned, the, the, the two things together. So that's, that's one of the things that, uh, again, sort of, uh, struck me when I listened to it as well. Yeah. My best skill is false humility. Almost as good as my false sincerity. As, it's a joke, as, my friend. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm, 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 I'm completely with you on your humor. It's, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's important. Of course, again, these things, these, um, oh. these podcasts have to be 90% entertainment. Uh, I, I love it when there's some fun facts, but, um, I, I'm glad I, that you're I, also keeping it fun. I've been told that I'm just, I'm very, I have a lot of humility. I've been humbled. And I'm humble. Uh, probably has something to do with, you know, when you got sober, that was so not cool. And it, it, it took me to such a low place. Mm-hmm. You don't forget it. I'm like a rescue. Basically, you yeah. know, I have a, I have a, I have a rescue pooch. There's a certain thing about rescues that are so great, and that's basically what I am. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm like this rescue that. Wow, he's a great dog. <laughs> <laughs> so, because you mentioned it, and obviously, I wasn't going to pull the Playboy Mansion uh, sale story out unless you were okay with it. Um, obviously again, are you, you kidding? Can, I can work it. I can work it into any, you can. I, and, and, and again, I was hoping you would, and I really appreciate that you would. Cause even my wife was asking me, uh, you know, obviously find out, you know, find out this and find out that. And obviously, uh, I guess, listen, I, I don't know if this is what he wants to talk about on this particular day. It might not be on the, you know, on, on the story, but I know that again, you're, you're, you're definitely, again, you're, you're such a great storyteller. Um, that that story, I think it gets better. Actually, the more you tell it, I think um, I've even heard a few things that came out this time that maybe I haven't heard before. So maybe the story does get better, uh, like like stories do um, over time. I'm working or, on it. Or at the bar, you know how the bar, the story from one side of the bar to the other side, it gets way better exactly. by the end. Um, so it it definitely seems seems to get better. So my big question was going to be, and this is the only thing I was going to add in, if I was going to add anything at all, is um, you mentioned. It being a life-changing moment for you so what did you do if anything to celebrate that life-changing moment was there anything that you um had planned or anything that you did special anything like that that you can share it couldn't have been more perfect and i really by the way i frown upon celebrating too much you want to take the victory lap but yeah there's a guy named Andrew Huberman, who's a neuroscientist, one of the biggest podcasters out there right now. Very yeah, Andrew smart. Huberman, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Andrew talks about if you condition yourself to um, kind of to get a dopamine rush mm-hmm. over wins, mm-hmm. opposed to the process. Yeah, it's it's a it's a recipe for depression. Yeah. It's I, very I, think true. I, yeah. I, I uh, explain to me why. So if you have to have this, especially in real estate, you got, if you need to go through this long, arduous process of getting something done to mm-hmm. celebrate, and that's when you get dopamine. Yeah. And he says, dopamine is the most valuable currency in the world. Yeah. When you make a sale, you're facing this just 
going through this belaboring thing that doesn't give you any pleasure. Mm -hmm. You switch that around and condition yourself to get a a charge out of the process. Process. Yeah. Well said. Then you sell a house. The next thing you want to do is do it again, which is the process. The process. The next thing you want to do after you sell a home is be where you are right now. It's a long way to get there. And you could actually dread the normal day thing before you have that next big win, which that big victory in your chemical brain. So, but to your point, I sell the house. I think it was, I don't remember the day, but let's just call it Tuesday. Mm -hmm. House closes on a Tuesday. That night, just by coincidence, I'm flying to Las Vegas to go to a real estate conference. Yeah. It was Tom Ferry. It was Tom Ferry. And I am flying to a real estate conference with 5,000 real estate agents. I just closed that deal. Mm -hmm. It was regarded not just for real estate agents. It was just big news. Big. So imagine walking into a room with 5,000 real estate agents and you just sold the Playboy Mansion. It's like you're you're LeBron and you just won the NBA championships and then you go out to dinner. Yeah. Or you go to, you walk down the thing and you just had made this accomplishment. So it was, (laughs) to say the least, it was a huge charge. And I remember Tom called me out about selling it in front of all these people. Okay. And and then he says to me after this, he goes, I'm in front of 5,000 people. Yeah. So what's next? What are you going to do for an encore? How are you going to top it? Mm-hmm. And I say in front of everybody, I go, how can you top the biggest sale in the United States? The biggest sale ever to sell in LA? Mm-hmm. I go, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe I want to sell a lot more small ones. And he goes, I think he had kind of pushed me. He goes, really? <laughs> don't you have a, what's your next move? Yeah. And I said, and I just said, I have no idea, but I want to sell something more expensive. Yeah. I don't even know if it's possible, but yeah. I want to make it possible. Yeah. And within a and within a couple of years, I sold something for 150 million. Okay. So uh that was that was amazing. So I'm not just the one hit wonder. No. And, uh, not. and then I've had, you know, more after that. So it's been uh it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So now, again, all that being said, said, yeah. All that being said, at the moment, I think real estate agents have to be fluid. Still, I have a lot of really expensive, nice houses right now, but I've just added to my repertoire in a bigger way. I want the one five, the two five, the three five, the four. I want the smaller deals mm-hmm. that are just that are always selling at a faster clip. Yeah. Um, keeps me. I mean, the cash flow the momentum waiting for these single deals to happen uh, in this market. It's just, I, don't, I mean, I always think I like to diversify. It's not that great of a thing to just be hitting these grand slams. Yeah. I like yeah. it. I, I like the momentum. Even when you're selling these other things and you have a lot of product, you're talking to more agents, you're talking to more principals, they're not, you know, someone who buys a million and a half, $2 million 
apartment on Wilshire could be buy it for their mother and they, oh, you're Gary Gold and they're going to, or that person selling their $20 million house in Holmby. So I really like to have, I like selling real estate. I like working with people and I like to be diversified, especially at the moment mm-hmm. because those other things are selling a lot quicker. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And again, obviously I, I'm in a very different uh, market here in Toronto, but the fact is, yeah, to, to, to have, uh, as one trainer told me r- really early in the career, basically, um, and he didn't, he didn't mention numbers at the time, but he basically just said, if you're, if you're not working with, um, you know, five buyers or five sellers at a time uh, on some level, then you, you start getting very neurotic about that one or two clients that you're working with. So for, for their benefit, uh, right. <laughs> make sure that you've got a few people going. And that's just, that's, again, that was one of the best early lessons that I was able to learn. Uh, and as you can tell this, for me, this podcast, this whole thing about, um, having again, again, really great storytellers like yourself on, um, is about, um, uh, just continuing that and obviously making it sort of where it's me and you. Uh, but of course there's, uh, hopefully if all goes well, a few thousand people, uh, tuning in and listening yeah. to again, your, uh, you by know, the your, way, your words. Yeah. You had mentioned that I'm, you're in Canada and you mentioned Toronto and it just yeah. triggered something. Oh, I was really, one of the things I did with Zillow when I was really, I was spending thousands a month and I would, I would, one of the things that was a huge advantage and how one of the ways I got an edge is I would respond to people. If they sent me some message mm-hmm. at 11 or 12 at night, if I had to get up in the middle of the night and pee, I would go to my computer and see if anyone, yeah. you know, reached out. Yeah. I did this all the time. So I did really well with foreigners yeah. talking on their time frame, yeah. especially in Asia, in the Middle East. And it mat- mattered. You know, the p- other people they were talking to, they would call one day, another one would call another day, and another day they'd never talk. I would talk to them in real time. I called it, I had my, almost like my second shift. And I also met some like perf- rock stars and performers. Mm-hmm. And one night at like, 12 at night i got an email on a property it wasn't my property it was just looking into some property and i was on the side it was russell peters oh no way okay and you know we 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 did we did a bunch of business together and i i met him on zillow um that is again this is this is how small of a world it is and even though i'm not even remotely involved in it on that level there's a a friend of mine who's a comic uh, who's also a good friend of Russell's and, and, you know, they've done shows together and everything else. Uh, a guy by the name of Darren Frost. He's a Canadian comic, funny, funny guy. Um, and uh, he's a friend of Russell's. So that's, uh, again, obviously that's, uh, he's a good guy. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I've heard obviously from, uh, from the inside. Cause of course, uh, comedians are, and, and, and he's a, he was a uh, Darren and me were uh, parents at, at the school together. So we, we got into the uh, heavy duty dad conversations uh, at the schoolyard together, which uh, is a whole nother level of relationship is when you're, uh, you know, it's funny because I did stand up. I was just always trying to make Russell laugh. Yeah. And he just kind of looked at me and he just like had this ongoing gag with me, no matter what I said, yeah. he wasn't even going to flinch or acknowledge it. He wouldn't, you wouldn't budge. Even, yeah. We wouldn't budge with any. Yeah. I finally got him. I finally caught him off guard. Yeah. Uh, I was showing his property in Malibu and I said, uh, and uh, I, I was showing his house. I said, by the way, I go, I'm showing it to 
a lot. I, I, I'm showing it to, uh, you know, Alanis Morissette. Uh, yeah. And he goes, another Canadian. I go, Ooh. isn't that ironic? Ah, wow. First time for that for it, Got him to laugh. That's amazing. Well, it would have been either that. And had I known you, I would have said just uh, I don't know if you're going to have any Brampton jokes, but he's from Brampton, which is a part of Toronto. Um, if you could ever come up with a Brampton joke, you might have got in that way with him. But uh, uh, all you needed was that's right. You might not know. But the uh, the Alanis obviously was another good uh, tie in there. Oh, Gary, this was again, this was really, really again, this was mind-blowing and eye-opening and, and again i was pumped up before we even started this but uh and, and i know we could keep going but i i definitely want to respect your time i know how busy you are yeah and... but let me just do a shameless pitch for oh, no no you're doing that for more. sure i want to yeah. i want i for, want everybody for, to for hear that because that's what they should be listening for yeah i do love so it's called compete and beat the best yeah. you can go to compete and beat the best.com and it's live it's online it's taught by me. It everything about this course. There's other people who do courses that they're just putting their name on it. This is mine. This is it's kind of my my what has I what has made me successful in the last 43 years. All the good ideas, all the bad ideas, the trials and tribulations in a one month, once a week, four hourish course, and it's live online. It's also recorded. If you miss it when it's live. And there's a, we have a community that we're building to create more referrals. And I'm also doing interviews and putting exclusive podcasts on that. And, and uh, we just finished the first course. People are completely digging it. Um, mm -hmm. I'm probably a better teacher than I am a real estate agent. And I'm not a bad real estate agent. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I'd say that's definitely uh, under, under describing what you do. It's, yeah. Yeah, so you should check that out. I mean, I'll be doing it regularly. There's another course coming up, you know, August 3rd. I'm not sure when people will be watching this. But whenever it is, it'll probably be one coming up. Amazing. Unless I decide to stop doing it. Yeah. Because it's a lot of work. But I do <laughs> totally dig it. Well, yep, obviously, totally yeah, you're, 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 you're giving back in, again, in, in the best way that you know how, and obviously for you doing the course your way with your words, um, I, I can't imagine anybody being uh, any, anything but blown away. So again, I, I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, Gary. It was really a pleasure uh, getting to know you this way. And of course, uh, you know, sharing some of that behind the scenes stuff. Cause like I said, when it comes to music or comedy or movies, um, I like, and this is, this is sort of my ongoing other joke is that I like the behind the scenes, uh, of the Godfather movie as much as I like the movie itself, just like just the, whole, the makings of, yeah. Well, the Hearst estate was made. The Godfather one was made with the horse's head at the Hearst estate. Yes, but I know. I'll be yeah. impressed if you know who, I, who I'm seeing tonight, if you are dialed in. Tonight I'm going to see Jason Isbell. The mm. best, he's the best songwriter out today. He's oh, yeah? amazing. Okay. okay. Amazing. Let's put this way. Bruce Springsteen kneels at his altar. Ha. Huh. Okay. Well, and that's... Uh... Jason Isbell and 400 Unit. Check it out. Wow. I'm going to go see him tonight. Amazing. Amazing, Gary. Again, um, 
really, really great meeting you. Really great having you on the podcast. And I cannot wait for the world to hear this. Uh, I think it's definitely going to add, uh, hopefully, a bit more uh, buzz for what you're doing. And of course, uh, you know, um, anybody who needs anybody uh, that knows what they're doing out where you are, uh, definitely make sure they reach out to you. Um, what's, what's, what's your own personal website again? Soulbygold.net. That's yep. my personal website. I'm easy to reach. Yeah. I'm easy to reach. Okay. Listen, you can call me. You, 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 you know, I'm, I'm just around. Yeah. So. Amazing. And I like, real, I like real estate agents. At least they do so far. <laughs> Hopefully until now, until, until you unblock me on the emails. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Take care. Appreciate Thanks so much. It. Thanks. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Gary. Take care. Bye. Bye.